I am not afflicted, Lux cried out. I am beautiful and valuable, and one day I will prove it to this kingdom. And if anyone has a problem with me, I've got a very large friend that they can talk to. Welcome to League of Lore, a podcast about the lore of League of Legends and other properties set in the Runeterran universe. I'm your host Jacob, or Scald Soldiers, and let's begin. Now, today we're going to be talking about a particular character in Demacia, that character being Luxana, Crown Guard, otherwise known as Lux. Now, as you might notice with her last name, she's indeed Garen's sister. Uh, Garen, who we talked about earlier. And as you should all know, Crown, the Crown Guards are a particularly powerful noble family in Demacia. Literally, they are a family whose entire goal is to keep the royal family, uh, Jarvan's lineage, safe. But Lux is a bit different from the rest of her family. While her brother leads the one of the most elite forces in Demacia, and her aunt is kind of like a the main head general of Demacia as well, uh, Tiana Crownguard. Lux is in an awkward situation because Lux uh, is a mage, it turns out. So that makes things a bit awkward for her, to say the least, when she is living in such an anti-mage and anti-magic country, despite the fact that she is a Crownguard. What this means is almost from day one, when her magic began to manifest, she was told she must keep it hidden. Because if it was ever found out that there was a mage amongst the Crown Guard family, their reputation would be in tatters. And so she was told to hide it at all costs. And she was told to fear her own magic and therefore to hide it even harder. And so Lux began to suppress her magic. Uh, the only group she was able to really, not really talk about the magic to, but at least get help in the suppression such control aspect of her magic is the Illuminators, who, the Illuminators are about as close as you can get to a pro-mage group in Demacia. They at least don't hate mages as openly as other Demacian organizations, but they aren't exactly super friendly either. They are kind of in an awkward situation where they want to help mages, but how they think to help them is not always the best thing. But their intentions seemingly are good. And so Lux joins the Illuminators, and they give her some exercises she can do. And if there are any Illuminators that know she's a mage, they have been sworn to super, super secret secrecy uh, by the Crown Guard family. And therefore, no one really knows that she is a mage. Now, during these early years, like I said, she was taught to fear her own magic, and so she really kind of hated herself. She hated the fact that she had what she thought was a taint upon herself, and an abnormality, something that was wrong, and so she was filled with a lot of self-hatred. This began to change when she eventually ran into Gallio. Essentially what happened was she was walking around late at night and some mage seekers found her 
not knowing that she is a crown guard and assuming that she was some renegade mage. I'm a bit unclear. They probably had a, a magic detecting uh, device on it, for I, which uh, mage do have. Uh, it doesn't detect it super, super well. Uh, that's why they use Silas for so long. Uh, but it allows them to at least be able to tell that magic is nearby. Uh, they just can't really tell who it is. But when there's only one person, such as Lux in this case, it's kind of easy to figure out. And so they corner her, once again, not realizing she's a crown guard. And she's freaking out too much to say, hey, I'm a crown guard, back off. Because she's very, very young at this point. Fortunately for her, where she had been traveling and walking around was near Gallio. Who, if you remember, Gallio is a gigantic petrocyte statue who comes alive when exposed to large amounts of magic. Well, it turns out, despite him usually needing like a vast amount of magic for multiple mages to power him up and make him awaken... Uh, Lux can just do it on her own, because she has just that much raw magical ability inside her. And so, she awakens Galio on accident just by being near him. But in the process, she loses access to her magic. Galio awakens and defends her from the Mage Seekers, basically driving them off, and they uh, never return, essentially. And from there, Galio and Lux begin to develop a kind of kinship, where Lux talks to Galio, and Galio is like, yes, finally I can talk to someone and not to be fighting all the time. Because usually whenever Galio wakes up, it is to help protect fellow Demacians in like a battle. And then once the battle's over and he's destroyed the enemy mages, he goes immediately back to sleep. And so he never really gets to talk to anyone. He is still semi-conscious when he's asleep, but not enough to really fully process things, but he can like kind of know time is going by. But now he can finally talk to someone, and so he talks with Lux. And they go from kinship to friendship pretty quickly, just based on the fact that Galio finally has someone to talk to, and Lux has someone she can be around where she doesn't feel what she views as a taint in her soul with the magic. She can't feel her magic when she's around him, and so it makes her feel relatively normal. She feels like a proper Demacian should. Well, eventually Galio doesn't really like this. Um, after some talking back and forth, Galio realizes that Lux is abusing their relationship to cut herself off from her own magic. And while Galio appreciates being able to be alive and awake and fully conscious around her, he realizes that what she's doing is harmful to herself because she's literally cutting off an entire aspect of her own person. And Galio just can't stand it. And so eventually Galio convinces her, hey, I appreciate that you're making me alive, but you need to stop. This is not healthy for you. You need to embrace what makes you so beautiful. Because in Galio's mind, Galio doesn't hate magic. He doesn't hate mages. Just because he has to fight them all the time does not mean he hates them. Because in his mind, he doesn't see Lux as a mage. He sees Lux as a Demacian. And that's all he cares about. Mage or no, she is Demacian, and that's what he cares about. And so he's like, just be a Demacian. You are a Demacian. You have nothing to you have nothing to hate or fear about yourself. And so uh, Lux eventually uh, does return home uh, as her mother is like has been working in the background to get a uh, petrified a petrocyte elixir to cut uh, what they call a, a nullifier to uh, cut Lux off from her magic in like a kind of medication kind of way. 
But she uh, says no. Lux points out says no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to instead embrace my magic and learn to control it properly. Thanks to Gallio's advice. And as time went on, her magical power began to grow even more. Lux uh, is what's called a light mage. She specializes in light magic. That is the magic that she can call forth most readily. And as her powers grow, uh, while she no longer hates or fears her magic necessarily, she is worried that her magic is going to come out of her, uh, when she least expects it, and that's going to cause problems for herself as well as her family. And so she's still learning how to control it so she can keep it hidden. It's just no longer a, I want to suppress my magic because I hate myself. It is now, I want to suppress, I want to control my magic so that no one finds out I'm a mage, so I don't get in trouble or potentially killed or bring shame upon my family. Well, eventually, um, she begins to explore the, the greater potential of her magic, uh, such as when she fights Nocturne up in that little town that we talked about in an earlier episode. Uh, she was able to defeat Nocturne using her magical powers, and since she's a light mage, and Nocturne is a demon of shadows and nightmares, she was able to, to expel him. And it just showed that she starts to re it's starting to show that she's realizing her magic can be beneficial to the broader Demacian cause. And so she really begins hammering home on, I need to learn how to control this if I'm going to use it to help my fellow countrymen. And so that eventually leads to the events of the Silas Lux comic, or the Major Rebellion as we know it. As we kind of talked about, Lux goes to Silas uh, after uh, some many little dealings where she eventually is able to get herself down there when she realizes that the Crown Guard sigil allows her to do a lot more than she realized. Um, it basically allows her to go wherever she wants. And eventually she begins conversing with Silas. Silas does actually teach her ways for her to control her magic. But eventually Silas starts off his revolution. Lux is not for uh, killing everyone uh that Silas hates um, because they're nobles or whatever, because guess what? She's a noble and her family are nobles and she doesn't want to see them all die. And so she eventually betrays Silas uh, using a petrocyte potion so that he cannot draw magic from her and then shooting him with a petrocyte crossbow bolt, uh, which pretty awesome in all honesty because petrocyte potions are brutal. And from there, she, uh, despite she disagreeing with Silas's methods, she agrees with Silas's intentions, which are to free mages. And so at this point, she begins helping mages um, get free from mage seekers. Uh, and so, in doing so, she um, has to work against her brother, who has now kind of been put in charge of leading the mage seeker hunts. Uh, there's a great moment in the comic where she's helping mages escape from uh, the great city of Demacia. And Garen catches her, but after some after some conversation, Garen can't bring himself to hunt her own his own sister, and so she's able to let the mages free. Now we don't really know what the relationship is now, and what that what consequences would have come from that. It's a bit in a gray area right now. A lot of other stuff has been happening, so we still don't really know. But based on that event, we can assume that Lux has been working more and more to help more and more mages uh, get free from mage seeker patrols and such. And that is her current, uh, that's her current place in storyline. She has come to accept her own magic and she has come to uh, become this force of good in Demacia to help save the mages from 
the brutal crackdowns are coming in uh, from the Matrix base on German Force orders. Now, before we get into the broader um, coding in her story, specifically some queer coding that is in her story, we're going to take a quick break, but then we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Firewriter, and I'm the host of The Pixel People, a podcast dedicated to taking a close look at our favorite characters from our favorite video games, from major characters who define the course of a game's storyline to smaller characters who you might have never noticed. Every week, we go beyond the quest line to examine a particular character's story arc and choices and discover the real-world parallels and life lessons hidden just below the surface. I hope you'll join us. You can find the Pixel People on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. If you want to help spread the show or simply get more content, you can follow the official Twitter at League of Lore 2 for updates on the podcast and other lore tidbits, as well as rate or follow the podcast on your podcatcher of choice. You can also follow my Twitch account, twitch.tv slash Soldiers, where I stream myself playing League of Legends and other games and discuss the lore and gameplay of those properties. And I just want to say once again, thank you to everyone who's been listening and following and rating. Just every time you do so, it just really helps motivate me to keep the show going. And just thank you all so, so much. And with that, let's get back to the show. Now, Lux's journey of self-acceptance and discovery mirrors that of many queer people raised in hostile households. Uh, essentially, what's going on is while her house, while her family doesn't directly like hate her for being a mage, they kind of show that they don't support her being a mage either, which is not any better. I mean, we have Garen, who is incredibly overprotective of Lux, and overprotective in the wrong way because he thinks that helping Lux hide who she is is going to keep her safe forever. Uh, heck, he is the one responsible for organizing a potential political marriage between Lux and Jarvan IV, um, pre the Mage Rebellion, so that she would be in a position where she would be beyond uh, beyond any sort of retribution or um, negative consequences for her being a mage if anyone ever found out, because she would be the the Crown Prince's bride. And eventual future queen. So yeah, uh, that's a pretty strong position to be in, and it would have kept her safe, of uh, politically and uh, socially forever, uh, as long as she lived and was married to Prince Darwin the Fourth. However, that is a fix, but it doesn't address the actual problem, which is the hatred of mages in Demacia. That's never going to go away, and even if she were a queen. That might help a little bit in the long term, like it might help um, if she ever came out as a mage while a princess or queen of Demacia. It may give her some leverage to begin curtailing mage seeker power and begin helping mages, but it's unlikely. The mage seekers are too uh, dug in at this point, and while uh, it turns out Jarvan III and uh, Prince Jarvan IV before the Mage Rebellion seem to be leaning more towards a uh, mage leniency and, and mage sympathy and mage sympathy and pro mage sympathy i should specify uh it it's unclear how successful that would have been it's a, there's so much bigotry in the country it would have been really really hard 
for anyone to do anything, and it's also it's unlikely for the Mage Seekers to allow for anything to happen. It would have taken drastic action by King Jarvan III and Jarvan IV to do anything, and it's so unlikely because all the noble families would have been working against him. It's a whole thing. The point is that while Garen is trying to protect his sister through the actions he took, it it's still it's framing Lux being magical, being a mage, as this thing to be hidden away and like put in a box where no one can see it, and then surrounded by protections of all kinds, like a political marriage, so that if anyone were to find that box and open it and see what's inside, that they couldn't do much with it because she would be in such a politically safe position. But that still does. But like I said, that it's still saying, hey. You being a mage, bad, because it causes problems for yourself. That is a, same, a similar framing that a lot of queer people hear when they, are, when they come out as, as gay or trans or any, anything in that umbrella. And it's just like, cool, I am this thing, and you're saying because I'm this thing, people will hate and fear me? And that's... And because of that, I have to hide who I am. I can't be myself. And we have to do weird things that basically continuously hide who I am because the world hates me. And that's somehow kind of my fault for just being that way. Uh, obviously, Garen's not blaming her for being a mage, but it, it feels that way to Lux. Because Lux fear sees how Garen fears Lux's own magical nature. And that does hurt her. It's even worse when it comes to her aunt, Tiana Crownguard, because her aunt literally does not care about Lux, except for the fact that Lux is a crown guard, and if Lux ever was discovered to be a mage, it would uh, throw mud on the face of the crown guard name. And Tiana is not having this. She is all for protecting the family name and the nobility of the family. That's it. She does not care about if Lux is happy or not. She just cares about if the Crown Guard family is safe for the future. Which is a very short-sighted and also just not helpful to Lux, once again. She doesn't care about Lux. And she, once again, keeps uh, reprimanding Lux whenever she is even trying to practice controlling her magic. She reprimands her in the comic a few times. And it just shows that, once again, Lux being magical... Just like someone who is queer, just because someone, whenever say, someone says, like, you being this is going to cause problems for you and for our family, that is the wrong framing. They should not be care about what it, like, it should not be about caring about what other people will think. It should be about how to help them feel loved, how, how to help them feel accepted, even in the world doesn't like them. Or views them negatively. And people like that should be, become allies and try to help them and stuff such, such and such. The whole point is Lux's story is just inherently queer-coded. Like, magic could very much be a code for queer. That's not saying that Lux herself as a character is a queer character. Um, there's not enough evidence to show whether or not she is uh, straight, bi, gay, or uh, a trans character. In fact, there's a lot of instances she's not trans. But... Either way, the point of it is her story is queer. 
whether or not she herself is queer does not matter. What matters is that her story and the growth of her plotline and uh, character development is queer-oriented. Uh, uh, and this comes back to that Lux, um, early on, just like many queer people, was influenced by her parents, her brother, her aunt, to keep the magic secret, to keep who she really is secret, not only even from the world, but from herself, to shut it off, to say, pretend it doesn't exist. And all that did was cause her more and more pain. And it took someone outside of her family, someone who saw her for who she was and liked and and liked her despite that in Gallio that she began to began to feel some self acceptance and began to realize that her being magical did not make her wrong, her being magical was just who she was and that's okay. And as we can see nowadays, she is trying to help mage, uh, mages escape from the Mage Seeker crackdown in the Great City of Demacia, and it. And we hope to see more and more of this develop, that maybe she'll start trying to cause political change in her home country from her own position as a noble and begin worming her way through to help uh, help mages in their time of need. And maybe eventually one day help Demacia learn and realize that magic can be okay. That's going to be really hard with how powerful the Mage Seekers are right now and with Jarvan IV now being in the pocket of the Mage Seekers. The Mage Seekers have him with a stranglehold at this point. But the point is, is that Lux is someone who now has now realized, I am this and I am going to try to use my position of power because she is, in, she is born nobility, just like a queer person who may be born wealthy, for example is now trying to use that status to help the people in need that she can. And all we can do is hope that she continues doing that and helping mages feel more and more welcome in their society. And maybe one day she will come up and out as a mage. We'll just have to wait and see where her story goes in the greater story of Demacia. And with that, we're going to end our episode today on Luxana Crownguard. I hope you all enjoyed this discussion about the queer coding in her story, as well as just her general storyline as a whole and Lux as a character, and how she is this really positive um, outlook on what Demacia could be. It's similar to like Poppy and Gallio, how their representations of the good that Demacia could do. Lux is that once again as a mage. She's like, this could be. If mages were more accepted, then someone like Lux could do more good, because that's all she wants to do, is to help people. Um, she even helped a soldier who was injured and blinded and was dying see the light one last time before he passed away. And it was a beautiful scene in that short story where she did that. It's oh, so good. But anyways, if you have any questions or thoughts, uh, please send them in your reviews on your podcatcher of choice or to lorefrontera at gmail.com. You can also now send them through the Discord channel, League of Lore, on the Robots Radio Network Discord, and I'm going to try to do my best to answer them next episode. And with all of that, i got an exciting announcement to end this episode on. Next episode, where we'll be covering Jarvan IV, we are going to be doing it alongside another League of Legends podcast, League of Loreheads! This is so exciting for me. I can't wait. It's been a long time coming. We've been... I've been so excited to do this episode with them. It's going to be great. And I can't wait to hear them badmouth Jarvan IV while I try to talk about how complex he is as a character and all the literary analysis you can do with him. It's going to be so much fun. 
But anyways, until then, I'll see you all next time. Peace.